Trigger warning. This podcast discusses themes centered around emotional, physical, and sexual violence. While the stories of the survivors are meant to be inspiring and informative, listener discretion is advised. If you are struggling with any of the aforementioned issues, links to resources can be found in the show notes of today's episode. And when I found out the facts about how he would lie to her or use her religion, saying, like, God brought us together. I've never felt this way before. It's clearly grooming. It's clearly manipulation. And all I could think about before the cops came to arrest him was, he has ruined everything. Hi, Survivors. I'm Taryn Newell. And I'm Collier Landry. And this is the Survivor Squad Podcast. Gobble, gobble. Yay. <laughs> what was that? Oh, it's a turkey. A turkey? Because I have my little turkey sitting next to me. Oh, and today's Thanksgiving. And I also have a stuffed turkey as well. So I have the turkey, Marisol, my little turkey, Chihuahua. And she has my stuffed turkey with her, which I've had ever since I was a kid, which is probably going to be destroyed by the end of the day, I'm sure. How do you feel about that then? I don't know. I mean, she's just so cute, but she is very destructive. <laughs> I mean, she can get into anything. Yes, yes. And you know, speaking speaking of complicated holiday dynamics, you know, today is a day where many people are celebrating with their family or maybe without their family or are separated from their family or have lost their family. And one of the things that we wanted to discuss in today's episode is trauma during the holidays. Yeah, I don't know if you know about this. I think I mentioned it maybe like a hundred times to you, but... Yes, yeah, so you have some Thanksgiving trauma, right? Mm-hmm. I was kicked out of Thanksgiving because of John. And John, John being who? John, Dirty John Meehan, you know, that guy, yeah, that, that guy. person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So eight years ago today, I was disinvited and then we didn't spend Thanksgiving the year after together because of John as well. But we did like a weird family dinner at a restaurant a couple days beforehand because he had to go on a trip with my mom somewhere. So it was just, I stopped getting invited to Thanksgiving for a couple years because of him. And I had a big fallout with him the day before Thanksgiving. I bought all the food, everything that got me disinvited to Thanksgiving two years in a row, you know? And I remember seeing this in the show, Dirty John, and I remember, I, I sort of remember the scene, you being kicked out of the house or whatever, your character. And I thought, okay, so he basically had, you know, his hooks. So how long was he in your life for, in your mom's life? Like two, three years? He was in her life for around like two and a half years, I believe. Okay. So they meet each other September 2014, and then she moves into the Balboa house in November 2014. Thanksgiving happens. We have our fallout. Then the year after 2015, no more Thanksgiving, weird dinner with the family at Fleming's restaurant. Okay. And then he's out of the picture after that. So he was pretty destructive for a long time then. Oh, yeah. No, he really drove a hole through my family, even my whole life. Like, I realize whenever someone is mean to me anything or just 
not appropriate in any way or just like giving me any like distance, I have to look into it. And I think it's all stemming from the fact that John was this person and I feel like I can't trust anyone because if he was this person then I have to look into everything and because that's what kept me safe but I have to try to reverse that because there are a lot of good people in this planet so what are some of the ways you know I mean obviously this is a work in progress and you're in therapy and you've done EDMDR and all these things but what are some ways that you work through your triggers on the holidays i usually bring my dog this year i'm not bringing my dog but i'm bringing you so you're a safe person <laughs> well i mean i might as well be a dog you know so like a golden retriever <laughs> and i'm a golden retriever well i think you're like a poodle you're really smart yeah but, but just not the curly hair just not the, not the curly <laughs> hair that's good to know in all seriousness, a lot of people go through trauma during the holidays, and obviously not everybody's memory is, as I always like to say, good times and noodle salad. So yes, how do, you know, what are some ways that you can offer for someone to cope with what they're dealing with during the holidays? If they're feeling rejected by their family, because this is a big family holiday. Thanksgiving, I feel like, at least in the United States, is a big like family holiday. Like, let's get together and eat, you know? I definitely deal with it with bringing my supportive person or my supportive dog. If you don't have that, I think it's good to bring some essential items with you. Maybe something that you use as comfort, maybe like a stone or a rock if you like that type of stuff. Or you could bring literally like an essential oil. You can also make sure that you take breaks. Literally just going on walks, being like, I forgot something from the car. I need to go get it. Go take a walk. Go do you. So are you saying that maybe people should bring power crystals and then go on power walks? <laughs> <laughs> if that's your thing, yeah, do it. Because to be honest with you, a power walk during the Thanksgiving day, because um, there I have some statistics I want to read to you. And according to the United States Calorie Control Council, the CCC, an average American may consume a whopping 4,500 calories and 229 grams of fat on Thanksgiving Day. So remember that that based on a recommended daily caloric intake for an average person is around 2,000 calories per day. And a typical adult who spends their Thanksgiving Day consuming that many calories needs to spend about 10 hours at a steady pace on a treadmill to burn off their average Thanksgiving meal. Isn't that crazy? No, that's like a whole day. <laughs> that's like a whole day. So I think that little power walk of getting, you know, take your crystal outside. What do you, what do you do? You cleanse the crystals in the salt water in the ocean. So go and cleanse your crystals in the ocean if you can and go for a power walk on the beach and uh, work off some of those 4,500 Thanksgiving calories. Uh, yeah, but you have to be careful with the crystals that you bring in the ocean. You can't you can't bring in the cellulite sticks and the cellulite crystals because those will just eat up. One time I did that and then I was like, oh. Do they dissolve in salt water? Yeah. Oh, and like, okay. Someone gave me like a $700 like crystal like cellulite ball. And, and it disappeared? It almost. Oh, that's crazy. I don't know a lot about like crystals. I was just sort of being cheeky and making it. <laughs> Making a joke. I hear you says <laughs> washing in the ocean. But let me give you some more facts on Thanksgiving Day. Okay, back so, to your facts. So did you know that the, that Americans ate about 15 pounds of turkey per person in 2021? That was spread over the entire year. 
Now, an average of one pound of that was consumed on Thanksgiving Day. So I think for me, I feel like that's a very conservative estimate because I love turkey and I probably eat about twice that. But data from the U.S. Poultry and Egg Association says that Americans consume more than 45 million turkeys on Thanksgiving compared to 22 million at Christmas and 19 million on Easter, which I find really interesting because I always thought like the Easter thing was like a ham and not a turkey. But, you know, half of all turkeys in, eaten in the United States are consumed on Thanksgiving Day. And only male turkeys, appropriately named gobblers, actually make that gobble-gobble sound. The female turkeys cackle instead. Did you know that? I did not know that. And I'm an animal person. And you are an animal person. Yeah. Did you know that that chihuahuas and minpins also cackle too? I, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> and this is another statistic that I don't really believe because my okay. God, I eat like way too much sugar and, and stuff during the holidays. But it says the average person gains one pound between Thanksgiving and Christmas, which I find really hard to believe. I think I gained like five pounds. <laughs> I think I gained like one pound on Thanksgiving and on Christmas. That's what I think I gained. <laughs> but on average... Americans purchase about 250 million pounds of potatoes, as well as 77 million pounds of ham during the Thanksgiving week. That's wild. I think there's, what, 350 million Americans in the United States? So that 250 million pounds, like that, that's about a pound or three quarters of a pound per person of potatoes alone. That's wild. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, all this is mind-boggling. It really is. And did you also know <laughs> that around 50 million pumpkin pies are consumed every Thanksgiving. And 36% of people eat pumpkin pie for dessert on Thanksgiving, even though opinion polls show that apple pie is America's favorite pie. Oh, I wonder why apple pie is America's favorite pie. I don't know. It's my favorite pie. Really? You know, apples are good for you. They say, you know, apple a day keeps the doctor away. I just don't know if he was thinking when he said that about apple pie. But you know. Yeah. And interestingly enough, the recipe for pumpkin pie has mostly stayed the same in the past 200 years. Cookbooks dating back to the late 1700s contains recipes similar to the modern method. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's some of your uh, interesting Thanksgiving Day facts. Also, one for me, tradition of watching and playing football on Thanksgiving began in 1876, just right after the invention of the actual sport. Oh, fun. Call your loves is football. Well, I enjoy my sports. I mean, you know, I'm not obsessed with it, but I am, but I do enjoy my sports. Well, it's just really funny that I find a lot of little girls are going to be watching football this year and being like, I'm into football because, you know, Travis Kelsey. Who they don't even know as a player. They just know because of Taylor Swift, but they just played on Monday Night Football. You know, they're still going to be into it because they're going to be into football players now. I guess. So we discussed a little bit about your your holiday trauma. My holiday trauma doesn't really center around Thanksgiving. My holiday trauma obviously centers around like New Year's. <laughs> so we'll get into that in a later date. We wanted to kind of reintroduce you to some of our older episodes. This is our first episode ever. This is our two-part episode with Jennifer Faison, who created the podcast Betrayal. I think they're doing a season two of the podcast as well. So um, she's got a really harrowing and amazing story that we want to share with you guys. And as we take a little break for all of us to be with our families this week, please enjoy this episode of The Survivor Squad featuring Jennifer Faison. Let's get into it. Let's do it.
I'm really happy to be here with you guys because, um, for one, Tara, Dirty John was a reason that I realized I could turn my story into a podcast. Hey, movers. Did you know that one in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list? If you're one of them, make 2024 the year you finally check it off with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Designed by over 150 language experts, Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are your passport to speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Real people, real conversations, that's the Babbel way. Babbel's tips and tools are not just lessons. They're companions in real-life situations. The approachable, accessible content is delivered through conversation-based teaching, ensuring you're ready to shine in the real world. Before Babbel, I couldn't imagine effortlessly ordering food, asking for directions, or chatting with local merchants, and all without consistently checking a language app while I'm on vacation. But Babbel makes it easy, providing the practical skills you need for real-life scenarios. Struggling with pronunciation? Babbel's got your back with speech recognition technology, helping you perfect your accent and sound like a native speaker in no time. Hola. Hola. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash collier. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash collier, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash Collier. Rules and restrictions may apply. So I don't know. I know it's a tragic story for you and it's it, it was difficult and everything, but it really did give me a place to um, say, hey, this can bring more education to these types of topics. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> really? Oh. But seriously, you guys started it all, you know, it's the bravery of sharing that story is it it gave me a lot of encouragement. And so that's that's why I chose to do mine as well. Yeah, well, that's the reason why we did the story is because when we shared, we were like, okay, we don't know what's going to happen with this but we have a feeling it's going to help other women mm-hmm. and help other people and just hearing that that's you know that's the reason why i share my story so thank you so much for that of course of course and that's why i hope me sharing my story does the same thing you know just i think when we tell these stories about topics that you don't always hear about or nobody wants to talk about we don't learn about yeah. them. But when we open up and we share these experiences, I feel like we're touching some people out there who feel alone for sure. And then, you know, if we can help at least one person, yeah, it's worth it. Yeah, it's so worth it. Well, I know you are a producer. You've done a lot of great stuff. You've been nominated nominated for three Emmys, and I mm-hmm. think that that is so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are as a person? So um, I, after I graduated from college, I knew I wanted to get into television. So a few years later, I moved out to L.A. without a job, 
without knowing what the heck I was going to do. I don't even think reality TV existed back then, but shows like Judge Judy and talk shows and things like that were big. So I kind of got my foot in the door at Judge Judy and then just started working my way, started working my way up. And um, after a few years, I knew what I wanted to do, and that was work on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. I just knew I wanted to be out there in the field, running around. And so that's really what started all the the field work that I do, which I just love. I I, I feel more comfortable on set <laughs> behind the camera than anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> There's just like this family feeling too on set. Isn't there? Yeah. I miss people. I, I had a show come, I'm in Atlanta, and there was a show that came into town that we did for Netflix about a year ago. And so many people from LA came out. And it was like I was back with my my family. You know, we all talked the same language and had the same experiences and knew the same people and, you know, knew each other, some of us. And, oh, it, it is. It's like a family. It's the best. I love that. So I was out in L.A. for about 17 years when my college sweetheart reached out to me. And this was the love of my life. Like he was the one that set the bar for any relationship that I ever wanted to have, you know. And so I dated some in L.A. But um, when he reached out 20 years later, we just reconnected and it was magical. And we both ended up in New York at the same time. And that's where we got back together and and started dating again. And it was just one of the easiest things that I've ever done because my family knew Spence, you know, I knew him. I knew his family. There was just this trust and this bond there. And so a year later, we were married and I, I moved to Atlanta to be with him. Oh, wow. So I thought I thought you moved to L.A. or you guys ended up moving to L.A. later down the line. No, I lived I was living okay. in L.A. for about 17 years um, when he reached out to me and okay. he was living in Atlanta. We re-met in New York, reconnected, and then um, we kept the relationship alive and decided to get married. And I would move to Atlanta because he had kids that he wanted to stay close to. And I completely respected that. So that that's how I ended up here. Okay. So I want to I just offer, because I've worked in the entertainment industry and I know the dating life in LA and I'm sure a lot of people are, I'm sure a lot of people are like, "Oh, well, why did you latch on this guy?" Because it's so hard to date in LA and you you had a real connection with someone. You're like, "Oh, I found somebody because I've been out here in this in this cesspool <laughs> yeah. of just this quagmire of just crazy. I mean, dating in LA is insane. It's and isn't it? I'm glad you guys is. agree cuz it's yeah. And I think it's in, it's the industry too, is you get involved in these relationships and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, you can't come on set. And you're like, oh God, I got to see them. I got to, now I got to work with this guy for six months. Or this right. Guy for six months. Like, oh my God. Like <laughs> for those who are listening, they're going, why would she get in? This is why, because we <laughs> yeah. look for authentic relationships that a lot of times don't exist, especially when you're in entertainment, because nobody gets it either. 
you get a nice person and they're like, what, what do you mean you have to go in at 5 a.m.? Like, what do you mean you got to go right. fly off to Amsterdam for three weeks? What are you talking about? Yeah. And I think, you know, Spence was a video production teacher. He, mm-hmm. he also was um, sometimes freelance videographer. And so I think he um, enjoyed that I was in the business yeah. too. And, you know, tried to kind of understand it and everything. But you're right. It's it's hard to date someone that doesn't get it. Yeah, absolutely. Dating in L.A. No wonder (laughs) I ended up with somebody in Georgia. That's the thing. Exactly. Exactly. And then look what happened. (laughs) Well, and then you also dated him a year and a half in college, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally, he... Spence set the bar for me when it came to dating because we had such a great relationship in college. It was just really healthy and fun and easy, which I think is really important in relationships. And one of the things we talked about when we had our initial conversation of meeting was there wasn't really any red flags with him. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, Tara, as you know, I've been going back to therapy and I absolutely love it. You've been going back to therapy too, right? Oh yeah, I went back to therapy and I went back to BetterHelp as well. Did you really? And how's that working out for you? I love it because there's so many therapists to choose from on there. Whatever you need, you could just go through a list. I went through a list the other day, just seeing what they had to offer. There was one with PTSD. There's so many great therapists. I mean, I believe there's over 30,000 different therapists that are on their app and you can communicate with them with video conferencing. You can do messages and communicate with your therapist. It's a very personalized experience, which I really love. Oh yes. I texted with a therapist the other day and I'm never tried that out before and I was like oh because I was typing it out with her processing through it and usually I get angry when I type stuff out but I was like oh I was able to process it and work through it in a new way and you know what in a season of giving what better gift than to give yourself the gift of therapy in the season of giving give yourself what you need with better help Visit BetterHelp.com slash Survivor today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Survivor. No, I, I'm telling you, you know, I know in your story, you saw the red flags oh, yeah. clearly. Oh, yeah. um, and a, a lot of situations are like that. In my case... I I swear to you, I never saw any red flags. Even after Spence's arrest, I would go back in my memory and try to think of, is there a single time that, you know, this makes sense now? And honestly, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of anything. And and so many people felt that way. My family, my friends, our community, you know, his teachers that he worked with, his bandmates that he played with, like everybody, I think, no, I know everybody was completely shocked. This was just the last type of person that you would ever think that would be this way. Wow. So what happened? So what happened? (laughs) Um, It's crazy, the timing of everything, because I was driving home to see him. I was coming back from Nashville from a show, 
coming home to see him. So excited. I walk into the house expecting him to greet me like he always did. And instead, he was just just shaking his head in front of this piece of paper. And for a minute, I thought he was joking. But um, I looked at the piece of paper and it was a search warrant. And it said sex and student on it. And I just knew right then, like, this is really, really bad. I don't even think that I considered maybe it's not true. You know, I I, I, I asked him, is this true? And, and he told me yes. And that kind of shock when you're living with someone that you completely trust and you feel totally safe with, totally protected by. But yet he made the conscious decision to commit a crime and prey on a young girl. That's who my husband ended up to be. And then two days later, I'm going through his email trying to help him out and discover about 60, 70 other women he was having relationships with. Adult women. Wow. I, I just don't know how someone has that much time. Yeah. Right? That's what that, I said about my father. I didn't understand. He was a doctor. I'm like, how did he have this much time? <laughs> that's the million-dollar question, and I think that's why um, – one of the reasons I told my story or, or kind of followed it throughout the podcast because I was really trying to find out who was this stranger that I was married to for seven years that I was living with. How, how was all of this stuff happening without me knowing? And there are just some people that are that good. Yeah, no, I just don't like it me with my situations everything that's happened like john was the serial perpetrator had multiple women i think his numbers are like in the hundreds 300s or something like that where he's been doing this all his life though mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know so this he's had so many women and i have women reach out to me on the daily too sometimes so i i just don't understand I have trouble just monitoring one relationship in life and just like balancing that out. I'm like, okay, I need to do stuff for myself. How do people have time for this? It's like they don't sleep. But I slept next to him every night yeah. and I know how hard he slept. Like, so <laughs> there is just, you know, I think something within him yeah. that could compartmentalize. Okay, so he so he was a teacher. He was a high school teacher, correct? And you were on and you were on set a lot. Were you on location a lot? Is that sort of how this was happening? Like you would leave town and he would have these rendezvous, or was this maybe in the beginning? I think when I first moved to Atlanta and we got married, I did travel a little bit more for work than I I normally did. But that was only, uh, you know, five weeks here, five weeks here, you know, and when I stopped traveling for work and was working locally, it was still going on. So, 
you know, he he was just a professional at figuring out how to make it work. And there was, no, I'm sorry, there was, there was nothing. There was no, like, where is he at today? Or I'm telling you, like, he was always in touch with me, always letting me know where he was. I never wondered, like, oh, wait, he's not home for dinner, or no, he. He kept normal hours. So when he was at school, he was having these relationships? I mean, obviously with the student. With, with the student. With, but with the other women, you said 70 women that he was, was he actually engaged in relationships with them? I would say maybe not 70 that he actually was in a physical relationship with, but some kind of communication, sexting, all of that as far as the number of women that he was actually sleeping with and having sex with um you know maybe it's a little less than that but over a seven-year period it was maybe it it's was, a little less just like maybe. a little bit just like just a little bit Ooh. just a minuscule oh maybe God. it was only 50. no i don't mean to make light of it either but no, you know, that's, at, that's at some right point, that's your right to do. You're, you yeah. Know, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, okay. As a man, like when you hear this, I'm curious what you think about how he was able to do it. I, that is, it there's two things that are coming, going through my head. One is you said he, he was a videographer into the creative arts. So for me, I'm kind of, and you said he played in a band too. So like, I'm thinking to myself, how do you, like I, I at some point go, do I want to engage in shenanigans or do I want to play guitar? <laughs> or do I want to go out and shoot something that I'm interested in doing? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't, I, 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 I find it very hard to comprehend how there could be these relationships or how they could be giving anything. But my father did this. My father had multiple relationships. Oh, really? Yeah. So, and he was a doctor. And I often think like, what was he doing at these times? Like, what did these, what did these relationships look like? First of all, because if he's married to you and he's having a relationship, what did those relationships, what were those interactions like? Was it just like, hey, meet me at the hotel for an hour and then that's it? Or are they going out to dinner or did they just, or is he, how does he explain that away? Did they? I, well, I'll, I'll tell you that. I became a detective sure. once he got arrested and I got into his email to try to help him. And I discovered all the other women. Suddenly I became on, I became like, I was on a mission to find out everything that I could. I spent hours and hours for probably two years going through everything so I could figure out, you know, how many relationships he was able to juggle at once. When were these happening? How was it happening? You know, I just, I needed answers, not only on who this person was, yeah. but how did I miss it? Sure. So... I became the detective and I would make charts of the women. I would see how they would overlap. I mean, some of these women that he had relationships with, 
they were like three years long and they would overlap with other women that were in three-year relationships with him. And these women probably didn't know there was another woman at all either, right? They did not know. I mean, they knew he was married. But a couple of the women that I spoke to in the podcast even told me he made me feel like I was the only one. Did he spend, you said he, was, he had children, right? From another marriage is why he didn't want to leave the Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. So what about that? What time did, was he, was he spending time with his children? With these He other was. Women? He was spending time with his kids. I, I still, to this day, think he was a good dad because. No, was he, was, were the other women meeting the kids? Was he no. family? That's that. Okay. So they didn't know. Like, oh, he's married to mom, but, or Jennifer, but now there's. Yeah. No, he, he didn't. I mean, you know, some of them because they lived near us or, uh, you know, were involved in something like the Air Force band that he was into. Um, they knew us and the kids and everything, but. Um, he was military? Yeah. Well, he joined the Air National Guard when he was like, I think, 39, maybe 40. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, probably like 38, 39, I think, because of the benefits and all of that. And he was a musician, so he played in the Air National Guard band, and they were deployed a few times. Interesting. Did he have a, does he have an arrangement with God? Like, does he get more time? Like, are his days like 30 hours? Like, hey, bro, you're on, you're on 30, 39 years old. You, you enlisted the guard. That's not much off from how old I am. Uh, it's it, 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 just, that's. Tara, I love looking at his face and how perplexed he is. I'm completely dumb. As a man, I'm sorry. I am. No. I am completely dumbfounded. As a, I mean, I'm not a, I have a lot of plates that are always spinning in the air, but they're always, yeah. they're, they're very benign. They're like, am I going to make <laughs> this, am I going to do this thing? Am I going to make this thing happen? Like, you know, it's, it's never like, how can I play one, like one woman and I, she better not, it's a lot of stress. Collier it's... is also not the average male. Collier, I feel like you are very like respectful of women. You have sure. a lot of women friends, like, you know, you're not like, you don't need to go after women like no i'm not like, a predator <laughs> women kind of just come to you <laughs> well that's that was my ex's excuse that he never sought after anybody that they always came on to him that's a that's a poor excuse but okay <laughs> i mean come on he that is, is like called the ultimate narcissist He's a predator. (laughs) He's a predator. Well, I mean, like, 70 women just don't come on to you (laughs) unless, like, you're Brad Pitt, you know. Right. You know, unless you're Collier and you have a YouTube following. (laughs) Joking. (laughs) Or you have these crazies that that slide into your DMs and you're just, like, I mean, I guess you're engaging. But I guess it's a lot. That's a lot of energy to put towards something that is not productive yeah. in your life or the life of the people around you that's just yeah. my opinion and it just yeah. makes doesn't make a lot of sense call me old-fashioned <laughs> old-fashioned 
I'm a single guy. I don't have like I don't have kids. Like I can't even imagine in dating some being in a relationship with one person, and then then trying to have these pla these plates spinning in the air. I don't know. It's just... many plates spinning in the air. At yeah. the same time, you're married. You're teaching. You're in the air force. You have kids. You we have had an a ex-wife. <laughs> we had a wine bar for a while in town that he was basically using as his brothel. Oh, okay. And never so got that... caught. Got it. So go in the back office. We'll just. I mean, who are these women too? Like, I kind of like. Mm -hmm. He's like, who, like, hey, let's go sneak in the back of the wine bar and get a. I mean. I know, but I, I think that, and I spoke to a couple of the women in the podcast because um, I wanted to hear what they knew about this person because yeah. they saw a completely different side of him than I ever did. And what was it about him that would persuade them to go in the bathroom at the bar and do stuff? And so that gave me a lot of insight into the predatory behavior and and just that that sickness of the mind and and how he would lie and manipulate. And yes, there were many adult women, but I always come back to the high school student. No, that's where I was going to like so adult women was there there was just one high school student that I knew of at the time. Since the podcast came out, we've had a lot of people write in that did have him as a teacher and have expressed that there were some of those awkward moments, I guess Encounters. we could call it. Yeah, yeah. When so I... he's been doing this for a long time. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So that was ultimately... Is, is it... So it's always, in in my opinion, when I look at these types of things, it, it's you know it's the old. It goes back to the old adage, right? You know, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, mm. and it's and it's always like you're you're so greedy, and it's like oh now let me let me try this with my underage student, and that ultimately is, leads to their downfall. Yeah, I think you know the only way I can, I guess, describe it is that it's like a drug addict in a way. Where you start out with just a little bit of something and then you need more and more and more 100%. to get the high again. And I feel like it was the same thing with him, with Spence, that it was, it probably started out more slowly, but then it was, it took so much to satiate him. Yeah. Wow. And then... If I'm not mistaken, when I was listening to the podcast, there was a lot of girls that graduated from class of 2010 talking about this. Mm -hmm. And that's my age. That's my class. So I'm really, yeah. So I'm thinking back, wow, I've all, I've been removed from high school for so long. Mm -hmm. And now these girls are going through that experience that trauma really stays with you for a long time. Yes. Yes. And that's why I think it's important to tell these stories. Yeah. Because we also got a lot of letters saying, I had no idea what this behavior is that I was experiencing with 
my teacher, my coach, you know, whoever it is. So I think we've been able to shed some light on, you know, Spencer was teacher of the year two or three times in the last, you know, eight years. I mean, he was beloved at his school. Everybody just thought he was the most wonderful person. So, you know, to find out that that was such a front, it was, it was devastating to a lot of people. So you said you're, so you come home from Nashville. He's standing there with a piece of paper that's a search warrant. What is the search warrant for? Your home? For hard drives? For? So the police came to our house with the search warrant and nobody was home. So they knocked down the front door. Our oh. We had like double front doors and it was split down the middle because they had to break Force in entry. basically yeah. yeah but yeah the the search warrant was for hard drives um handwriting samples and a pair of his underwear wow and they said so they gathered all that they gathered all that they left and then in that time spence came home he saw the search warrant i don't know how long after i got home maybe 30 minutes and that's you know when I found out and then 20 minutes later, the cops were back at our house coming in the front door to arrest him. And it was the last time I ever saw him. And how are you wow. feeling with all this? At the time or now? Both. Um, you know, having sex with a 16 year old is so deplorable to me a grown man and when i found out the facts about how he would lie to her or use her religion saying like god brought us together mm. i've never felt this way before it's clearly grooming it's grooming. clearly manipulation and all i could think about before the cops came to arrest him was he has ruined everything. This concludes part one of our two-part episode with Jennifer Faison. Can't wait for part two? Please subscribe to the Survivor Squad Patreon to receive exclusive early access to all episodes. On that note, survivors, have a happy and safe Thanksgiving with your family and all of your friends. And if you are alone, sending love and you know you have a family in us. Oh, that's very sweet. We're all part of the Survivor Squad Thanksgiving family. <laughs> the Survivor Squad podcast is made possible by support from listeners just like you. Please subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. And please consider supporting this program by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Survivor Squad. 